Welcome to the Intelligent Investing Podcast, where modern portfolio theory can suck it. A student of the school of Graham and Doddsville and a clergy member of the Church of Warren Buffett, here's your host, Eric Schlein. Hi, this is Eric Schlein. You are listening to the Intelligent Investing Podcast. And today we have on Alex Gramatsky onto the show. He uh, runs or at least works at the ICM uh, Crescendo Music Royalty Fund. Now it's a team of people, right? It's not just you. Yeah, that's cool. a team of people. We're a pretty big team too because ICM Asset Management is actually a, a fund that has over a billion under management now. So we have a pretty diversified uh, team of portfolio managers and yeah doing doing all different kinds of strategies it's not just music or yeah doing doing different types of strategy uh from from real estate uh to to venture capital to uh now music royalties now tell us a little bit about your background here now where, where are you from where are you from originally so i was born in calgary alberta canada and that's where i am you're still in calgary yeah okay yeah i am still in calgary Okay. And um, kind of settled down here, but I've been in, involved in mergers and acquisitions and essentially my entire career. Um, probably have over 50 under my belt by now um, and probably done over 700 million in transaction volume. You've done 50 for, mergers? For, for uh, 50 acquisitions or, and or mergers, so probably about five or six mergers and then the rest for acquisitions. And these were in um, like public, private businesses. What was what was that involved in? Yeah, sometimes it was uh, public entities and then okay. taking them private. Um, in other instances, it was uh, private transactions acquiring assets, and in other instances, it was acquiring uh, companies. Huh. Seems like a lot. You're you're a young guy. That seems like you have a lot out under your belt already. Well, I am uh, 31 now, and I don't know about a lot because I think that's relative. Because okay. you know, think of some other people around the world, uh, like you know the Mark Zuckerbergs of the world, and I can't even imagine what what their day is like or what they've gone through, and you know yeah. them having to testify. But um, yeah, it's it's been great. But it's I've been fortunate because I also had a chance to go to the Wharton School and do an executive management program there, and I was the youngest person to graduate uh, from that executive management program, which was a two-year-long program. Interesting. Did you feel that helped you with m and Oh, 100%. Yeah. It did. Um, I think Wharton's probably the best finance school in the world. So, yeah, got great professors, great models, great insights. Uh, learned a lot on that side of things and just deepened my skill set. What was the biggest thing you got out of being at that school? Uh, the, the network of people, because on the executive management program, there was, you know, CEOs, CFOs, uh, all, all sorts of people and being able to connect and talk with them and, um, be on teams with them and, uh, just really dive deep into what often I don't get in, in Calgary necessarily, but you know, these people come from all around the world to, to meet there and, and learn there and to get better there. Interesting. So how did you get into, um, working with music royalties. You know, we did, uh, uh, you know, I really wanted to have you on the show. We had done an episode, it's probably a little over a year ago now, with uh, Jean uh, Schwenda, um, and we did a thing on uh, Mills Music Trust, which is a uh, over-the-counter uh, traded, uh, you know, music royalty trust. Uh, majority owner is Paul McCartney, interestingly enough. Uh, so this is interesting for someone who's literally just 
running a fund doing music royalties like how how does that come about that's such a niche thing yeah well first off i listened to that podcast and it was great to hear you know the returns that they've been able to generate for their investors for that music royalty trust and so they did really well and given my M&A background, I was always looking at opportunities and where there's certain arbitrage situations and also where there's growth, because I believe you should always be in a growth sector, because this way um, you don't have to get everything 100% right, because the growth will kind of take care of some of the variables for you. So it's almost so a risk mitigation strategy to be in a growing sector. Mm-hmm. And I was already well into real estate and oil and gas and been involved in renewable energy and had public company stock holdings, had angel investments and and been on that side. But um, given where the market is now in 2020 um, and actually even in 2017, people started talking about a bubble and when it was collapsed. But it feels like people are going are still talking about it and we're 12 years into it now and and i was really looking for something that was going to be great on the passive income side and streaming platforms like spotify were growing apple music amazon music pandora satellite radio was already you know at its peak probably at that point in time and um that's how music royalties came up because uh there was just opportunities in the space and i thought it was a great asset class to get into another was looking into it more and more and more I thought it's something that everyone should have in their portfolio because you kind of own these rights for life of the artist plus 70 years. So it's really long term and you don't require any capital after the acquisition. So once you're kind of invested in it, you can get dividends, you know, for your lifetime. Yeah. Huh. And how, how are you looking? You know, go through. Can you go through actually walk walk us through a, um, your process of how you would actually evaluate a royalty stream of a song? You know, what is your research process and your evaluation process? Like, take take us through that. Yeah, so usually it's someone or a label or a production company or an artist or a songwriter that's looking to sell. And let's just say if it's a songwriter, they usually have written multiple songs and they're not okay. looking to sell just one song. They're looking to sell a catalog of songs mm-hmm. or their portfolio of songs. And what we then have to do is analyze each song because we're essentially buying the catalog from them. And each song also generates revenue from a different revenue stream, such as I mentioned, Spotify could be one, YouTube could be another, iTunes or Apple Music could be another. So we have to evaluate each revenue stream. And that gets very cumbersome. And that's why I think you're seeing larger companies um, like there's one in, in the UK called Hypnosis that um, are acquiring larger catalogs because it is such a heavy diligence process. So we actually focus on acquisitions that are between the 100,000 to 5 million range. Mm-hmm. And and why we're able to focus on this is because uh, we actually use a lot of data analytics and machine learning to try and analyze some trends and forecast future royalty streams. Okay. And... If you were to do this by hand, it would be very, very cumbersome because one song can generate revenue from 139 or 140 plus sources. And imagine trying to evaluate what each of those revenue sources is going to look like. So radio, you know, you might only get really three years of radio play out of that. So if you're in the third year, you know, you don't want to be putting a high multiple um, to, to that revenue stream. 
but something like YouTube and Spotify, you know, you can maybe put a higher multiple to that. Um, so what we really have to do is analyze each revenue stream for each song and then do that for the entire catalog. And that's why we use a lot of data analytics and machine learning huh. to do some forecasting. How, now, how, how did people do this like 30, 40 years ago before YouTube? Before YouTube? It was, I mean, was uh, it, would you say it was easier? When you're just was it just, was it just radio mostly, and that was the main distribution, and was it easier to model? Well, actually, I think in the past people were focused on buying hits and how can they revive those hits, and what can they do when they acquire a song, and can they place it into you know a commercial, okay, or you know can they create some sort of a publishing deal, or or what what can they do uh, with with the catalog that they acquired and the songs that are in that catalog to generate more revenue. I don't know if people on 30 years ago were necessarily looking at it from a cash flow perspective. I think you really needed okay. to be very actively managing songs. But Interesting. Um, so then today you're really looking at, okay, what's the future value of these revenue streams? Would you say that with the growth of streaming, you know, Spotify and Pandora and YouTube and, and all of that, is the are the royalty streams going up simply because of the growth in those platforms? Uh, I would say, yes, but you have to look at it at a song-by-song song basis and okay. also how long that song is like. You know, if you've had a really hit song, if you've had a hit song and you're in maybe the second year of that song being a hit, well, you know, there's a high likelihood in the third year you might have a drastic decline and it doesn't matter how much growth there is in the market. Yeah. And you might have a big decline, but if you have a song that's, you know, eighth year out or 10th year out from uh, just being very stable yeah you're going to actually see growth in those songs for things that are steady because the the platforms are generating more revenue so one song that we've looked at you know is, is that Fresh Prince of Bel Air song right okay. that, that everyone yep. kind of that kind of everyone has and that one's do you, do you own that? that? no we, we passed on that one that one is really competitive and that's another thing you have to look at is you know how well known are these songs are people paying for the name or are they paying for the actual revenue stream and that's why we focus on i'm going to call some of these smaller catalogs um where it is mostly a, a, a revenue stream evaluation on that side of things how so you say so you pass on uh on that one and you know so what, what had you say okay i think this is overvalued or i don't think this meets our hurdle like I know you say do machine learning, but I mean, is there some specific hurdle? Like you think you want to be able to do at least X return. And also wouldn't the, and maybe this is where machine learning comes in, but I, I would just imagine that depending on the inputs, right? It's well, is this going to be on YouTube for 20 years? Is this going to be popular for five years? You tinker the growth rate by 1% over the next 60, 70 years. I, I feel these little tweaks is going to drastically change, um, the value of those revenue streams. So how, how are you looking at that? Yeah, so what we look at is we actually pull data from seven different sources. Um, and each source gives us different inputs. Like one of them will, for example, give us like the historical stream count from Spotify. Okay. Another one will give us the social media trends for that artist and for those tracks. Another one is like, well, actually not just the artist, but was there a featured artist? Uh, in that and is that featured artist or the artist going on tour do they have any tours scheduled are they releasing new songs or are they kind of done releasing songs like are they much much older 
um, how many songs have they released in total? Because if somebody's listening to one of their popular songs, you know, it's highly likely that there's going to be a playlist with some of their other songs. Mm. How many playlists is that song on? So you're right. There's many things that that are factored into um, a song, not just the revenue streams, but all of those. I'm going to say intangible variables. Also, could could you walk us through an actual situation, like an actual song you looked at and and what you were thinking? Yeah. Okay, so, that'd, that'd cool. so prior to the fund starting, so we started acquiring stuff in 2017. Uh, we, we bought um, a catalog from a songwriter, and one of the um, biggest producing songs was a, a Shakira song, uh, "La La La," and he had a she had a partial interest in the song, and uh, we had projected and assumed that Shakira would be, you know, should be in in future um, performances and. The songs would have spikes and that side of things. And the La 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 song was also associated to the World Cup in 2014. And we assumed that we could, yes, buy it on on historical revenue, but also it made sense from a potential future growth perspective. Every four years, it might see a spike or every time Shakira goes, goes on tour. And I think it was that acquisition included 109 songs. So that was just one of the songs. And then, um, as you might recall, in the last Super Bowl, Shakira ended up being the halftime show performer. So um, we didn't expect that, but as you can imagine, so we saw massive spikes um, for that song being played, and and that's that's one of the things that we would have taken into consideration. But we can't exactly project what the increase is going to be for these one-off events. Yeah. So how our fund is structured is essentially that um, we do distributions where we target, you know, 8 to 12%. And then when those types of events would occur, we would be doing special distributions to investors um, because it's more of an income fund than a, than a growth fund on that side of things. Interesting. So what are you working on now? What's like the most interesting stuff you're working on right now? Oh, we see about one to two um, opportunities a day. So a, day. a lot of that's... Yeah, a day. Yeah. Okay. So there's a lot of activity and a lot of deal flow that we're we're getting. So we're, I'm not saying, um, so I'm not saying we're being picky because we want to, you know, honor every every deal and everyone that sends us an opportunity. But we're definitely looking at all of those opportunities and then choosing the ones that make the most sense for our investors and our fund and and are analyzing those. And then are gonna make offers on the ones that um, that. That, that fit the best and sometimes um we make an offer and it's and it's way too low because that song or, or that catalog has significant upside opportunity which we're not necessarily in a position to take advantage of right now it's like some of the other labels and they say hey no i expect a little bit more for this because i expect you to take my songs and and do something great with them i expect you to market them i expect you to you know re- revive them and i'm not willing to part with a you know a multiple of revenue and in other instances, uh, they say, you know what? Yeah, the stuff's been kicking around for for a long time. I I get your valuation, I get your offer, and um, we we've backed it up, and and we'll acquire those. And that's kind of what what we're doing is just evaluating songs every day, looking for deals, and and then also raising capital for our fund, which is a Canadian fund, which um, which also differentiates us because, as far as I know, I don't think there's any Canadian funds um focusing on music royalties that essentially uh, retail investors can invest into there's some funds in canada that have pension money behind them 
but as far as i know there isn't any that just you know your average joe can invest into yeah now when you say you're looking at these deals you know every day are is there a certain set of criteria where you can look at something and in two minutes you know you're going to take a pass or are you actually you know spending the entire day uh analyzing every single deal um well, I'll say the the, the past one is uh, if it's if we know right away that the deal is going to be outside of our our deal range. So if it's going to be much greater than five million dollars, right? Because our our niche is the the hundred thousand to five million. So that that's a quick pass okay. for us. Um, and these are all coming not, to you. These are people coming to you. You're not looking for them. Yeah, these are people coming to us. Brokers okay. coming to us. Opportunities coming to us. But you know, we are looking for them because we are reaching out to brokers and to artists and to, to labels. So and, so there are brokers that just like they specialize in brokering music royalties too correct and, huh, and there's actually interesting. there's actually a platform also where people can buy royalties um and that platform's called royalty exchange so but those are auctions so we okay. can take a look at those too you, so you participate in auctions we haven't with our fund okay. no um and the the fresh prince of bel-air one is actually was one of the ones that was on auction and um we, we didn't participate in the auction um and you know auctions have a it's all you almost have buyer's remorse if you win an auction that doesn't mean that you can't go on auction and, and find good deals and and i don't know who who's necessarily all buying on the other side um but on that world exchange platform they also have a lot of offerings on like the secondary market so we can also evaluate each one of those and if we wanted to make offer on those and people can either accept or reject those and i think they have like over 180 plus sec uh offerings that are not by auction but where people kind of set a list price and you can either buy in there or not or we can submit an offer and then see if it gets accepted but we haven't gone that path yet because we like the off-market deals better it's like real estate Exactly. Interesting. So, do you ha, has the industry changed at all since you've you know got into looking at music royalties? Is is this ever evolving in the way you look you would look at these royalty streams based off technology and you know anything else going on? Absolutely. Um, so, as you can imagine, collecting revenues uh, from YouTube is getting more and more sophisticated because people are coming up with blockchain technologies, right? So you're able to recover some plays that in the past were unlicensed or artificial intelligence is getting better so they're identifying hold on hold on, hold on. Before, you, before you continue what do you, what do you mean by that that you're collecting things that were unlicensed in blockchain you just said you just said a lot so let's let's okay. like break this down a little bit okay so sorry let's let's, let's unpack so, that oh uh, yeah please <laughs> yeah so so let me rewind a little bit so somebody posts a video on youtube and it okay. and it uses a song for which we have an ownership interest well, YouTube actually pays a royalty um, to a collection society, usually, or an administrative company. And there's many of those out there. There's over 150 collection societies around the world that all collaborate and work together to get the rightful owners their money. Because, you know, imagine a song being played in Dubai in a, you know, in a restaurant. How is that money or that revenue from that royalty ever going to get to a Canadian songwriter? So these agencies all kind of work together and they collaborate and they remit royalties. And what then happens is as an owner, you essentially get, you know, a check or a direct deposit into your account. So given that a lot of people are, let's say, on YouTube, for example, and people are uploading videos, they might use a song in one of the videos. Okay. 
well, YouTube is also responsible for making sure that royalties are collected on that side of things. So it so, actually costs. So if I upload a video, right, I'm just hanging around in my kitchen and I have a song playing in my kitchen while I'm uploading the video and it gets some downloads, YouTube is liable for the royalty of that song in my video? Is that what you're saying? So, so I wouldn't go as far as saying liable, okay? But definitely... Well, why not? Isn't, I mean, isn't that what it is? If YouTube is paying a royalty on a song that I uploaded and I'm not the one paying it? Yeah, the only reason I say I don't okay. want to use the word liable is because I don't know the legal language. Got it, okay. Well, YouTube, YouTube is paying a few pennies the fact yes. that I uploaded a song. Correct. That's and then, so and interesting. Then, yeah, and that's why, you know, you either have an ad after a few videos or, you know, if you monetize it um or if you are in the paid subscription they then have to remit some of that revenue and so the ad is paying partially for that royalty of some song in the background in your kitchen exactly that's so interesting exactly and and each streaming platform actually has different payout rates and that's what you know some of these global collection societies do and some of these administrative firms do is they negotiate with each platform how much should be being paid um, per stream, essentially. So, just to give you an example, like yeah. for, for YouTube, it's like zero point zero zero one six four per stream. Spotify, it's zero point zero zero three one eight per play. Pandora, it's zero point zero zero one five per per stream. And and like that's not across the board because it can also be different by jurisdiction. Okay. Um, but for example, Facebook now announced that they're gonna start having. Um, video and music on their platform and TikTok has now announced the same thing and Snapchat has now announced the same thing. So there's three new revenue sources for which I don't know what the payout rates are yet, but there's something being negotiated uh, with with some of these administration firms where now you're going to be able to, as an artist, recover money from TikTok, Facebook and um, Snapchat, which previously you weren't getting money from. And, you know, there's billions of users on those platforms so that's going to be additional revenue going to rights holders. Hmm. That's fascinating. So do you find that the, is it sort of this, is it an oscillating, um, what am I trying to say? Is the growth in revenue from royalty streams, is it as, as a whole still like that industry, that market still growing or is it just sort of kind of rotating from one platform to the other? So as you know, TikTok gets more popular and something else gets less popular, that, that's sort of transferring over, or is the entire uh, market growing still? Yeah, so it's kind of the theory of, of is there, you know, cannibalization happening, right? So like, yeah. you know, when people go from Coke to Diet Coke, are you actually getting more people drinking Coke or just people switching from Coke to Diet Coke? Yeah. And I would say that there is growth happening because, you know, some people... Um, never uploaded videos in the past. And I think TikTok is a prime example. And all of a sudden you see all sorts of older people uploading TikTok videos, right, and inserting music. Mm -hmm. So I think in that regard, you definitely have a growing market of more people um, using content or using video in their content. So I think the pie is actually getting bigger. And you also see that in the number of subscribers that Spotify is onboarding. And you're also seeing that in what's happening with the accessibility of internet is you're having a lot of emerging and developing countries now only starting to get into these platforms and only starting to actually um, start to you know get into this paid subscription. Spotify entered India, for example, it's a much lower subscription price, 
we can imagine as the household income starts growing, they're probably going to increase their subscription price just like every other platform kind of does after some time. Right. Huh. Now, if someone wants to do this on their own, is is it really impossible? Or, I mean, can can someone spend the time to evaluate music royalties on their own without a big team and data analytics and, and, and all that? Mm-hmm. So I would go as far as saying, even if you're an institutional investor, I would hand you over our entire playbook and I would say it's still very hard. There's a lot that goes into it um, yeah. based on how the rights are owned. You can have, you know, writer share, you can have publishing share, you can own the copyright, you can own the masters and the payout rates for each one are different. Um, and also uh, like um, if, if somebody else has an ownership interest, you have to pay attention to if you want to be um, creating these sync opportunities is what they're called. Like if you want to place your song into a, into a, a movie, for example, mm-hmm. you have to um, own certain rights in order to to get everyone to sign off on that side of things. So it's it is super complex um, on that side of things. But given that there's a ton of data available out there, um, you can do a lot with, with machine learning and data analytics. And I would say this is why even sophisticated, larger institutional investors that are in the space and have been in the space for 20 plus years don't really focus on buying catalogs that are below 5 million because it takes a lot of time and a lot of energy um, to evaluate each single song in a portfolio of songs. So are, you know, let's say, let's say um, you were not working at this fund and because I because like if I said you know if you can invest in a royalty fund how would you look at things and sure you'd say your fund so assuming that your fund was off the table right or you had to invest in another fund let's let's just say that you had to invest in another fund that wasn't your fund what would you be looking for um, that the fund was doing because you know like I, you know the average person they're gonna hear someone like you and you sound like you know what you're doing. And they'll look at a fund and they'll say, you know, we like to distribute this percentage of income or, you know, here's a nice 8% or whatever it is, right? How do you know who actually knows what they're doing or who's who's a good royal, music royalty investor and, and who's just maybe average? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I think that the first point is what's their strategy? And I think some people... Um, they can build incredible teams and they have a strategy of, hey, we're going to buy hits and we're going to pay a lot to own those hits. But that's OK, because we're going to be able to monetize those hits. We're going to put them in the next Coca-Cola commercial. Right. We're going to place them in the next James Bond movie. And it doesn't even matter what we pay because we're going to recover that revenue from placing them into that movie or in that in that commercial. And we're going to get an incredible premium off of that. And not just that, once people listen and hear that song in that movie, they're going to go back home and they're going to play it again and it's going to revitalize. And that's a strategy that I think some people that are really in the space and maybe have a deep entertainment background can pull off. Now, that's one strategy and one growth strategy. And I say that's a growth approach. That's not necessarily an income or steady income approach. That's, you know, you get these big tickets. And so so that, that, that would be like you owning the uh, the lion sleeps the night. It goes into the movie Lion King and all of a sudden it's a hit all over again. Exactly. That's like the right. jackpot. Okay. Exactly. Right. And, and that's 
if if that's what you want to bet on is that team to do that and for them to do that every year or every other year right with the portfolio of songs that they own well then yeah that's a strategy and then you should be betting on that team and how connected are they in the entertainment space not just okay. the music space but also the, the you know the the entire entertainment and see space. if they have a track record in doing that like are you doing that once a year exactly and, okay and and so for us we're not doing that right mm-hmm. so so we're not trying to say we're going to you know be in the next lion king movie or we're not going to be in the next coca-cola commercial so really so you shakira is not going to be in the next lion king movie huh <laughs> yeah yeah who knows maybe she is yeah you know uh yeah good point we should think about i want to explore that <laughs> Yeah, I just want uh, to say right now, for the record, if there's a Shakira song in the next Lion movie, I'm Lion King movie, I'm gonna take some credit for that. Yeah, exactly. Okay. <laughs> no, um, good, good call. And um, so, so, but on our side, right, we're really focused on steady income and yeah. in forecasting. So, what you want there is you want to have a great team that is good at evaluation and at private equity and portfolio management. Mm-hmm. And historical analysis versus, you know, if you have people that are focused on creative and artists, like they don't need to be great at managing historical cash flow they, or, or, manage, or understanding historical revenue. They can just say, hey, I know I can place this in the next Coke, um, Coca-Cola commercial and we're going to get a million bucks for it. So it doesn't matter if we paid $500,000 for these rights. Yeah. Right. And it doesn't matter that the song only generated $10,000 last year or, you know, $100,000 last year. Like. That, that kind of becomes irrelevant. So some of these metrics can become irrelevant depending on your strategy. But for us, um, we, you know, we have a team that, you know, is, is full of uh, like uh, CFAs and certified investment managers and portfolio managers and and data analysts, like, you know, some of the people that are helping us with the data analytics were previously at Facebook, they were at uber they're at amazon right like um and that's the type of people that we we are recruiting to help us with this type of evaluation not just um you know random people that 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 don't know what they're doing in the space yeah how long have you guys been running this fund for so this fund officially launched i'm gonna say two months ago was our first acquisition oh, wow. for okay. the fund for the fund but like I said, we've been acquiring music royalties um, since since 2017, so three years now, really. And uh, we ended up in a partnership with ICM Asset Management. So Crescendo Royalty Corporation started acquiring music royalties in 2017. Um, I co-founded that company with, with Reese Terode. And then we entered into partnership with ICM Asset Management, um, and we pursued uh, the, the fund strategy alongside with them. And um, we, we met the managing director or, or one of the managing partners over there. His name is David Vanka. And and we connected there. And he thought that this is something that was really interesting for what um, what would fit into, you know, their current investor base. And that's how it kind of came to be. And then we spent the last year really trying to get everything organized and going through diligence and making sure everything was set up to launch this fund and get a, you know, uh, registered here in Canada so we can start raising capital and making acquisitions. Very interesting. Um, and for investors in your fund, I mean, how does that work? What, what, um, you know, what kind of distribution are they getting? Are you growing the net asset value as well? What's your fees? How does that all work? Yeah. So what we do is we 
essentially in the first year um, we do a six and a half percent distribution in the first year being this year um, just because you, we're going to have some lag from you know raising capital to doing acquisitions and sitting on on capital in, in their interim and figuring out exactly how the capital raise goes but then after that we're targeting eight percent distributions to investors okay. and then reinvesting the balance to kind of grow net asset value because um, you know, there's going to come a time when some of these royalties do start to to decline, right? So you want to reinvest in order to offset that decline and acquire more royalties that are growing and that are benefiting from that side of things. So, you know, the song might be growing for the next, you know, three, five years, but in 50 years from now, there's going to be a decline of, of that song. So we do have to do some reinvestment to grow net asset value to acquire new songs. And, and so we're targeting overall 8 to 12%. And like I said, we're going to do special distributions and also um, when there's the, the, these one-off events that that are going to uh, generate some extra surplus cash flow. And I, I don't want to get into the fee structure okay. right now because I think that's also more for like the um, the some of our, uh, I guess, licensed dealers to, to talk about um, okay. and our advisors to talk about. Um, and I'm not licensed to sell securities or anything like that sort of thing, right? So I don't want to get into any of that stuff and i didn't run any of this stuff by by legal counsel prior so we won't we won't go there then um yeah. is it kosher to ask if, if people are interested uh, a website they can go to to check out more of uh, what you're doing yeah so the website is actually really easy it's just www.musicroyaltyinvesting.com okay so uh we, we secured that domain name so people can you know if they want to invest in music royalties go on musicroyaltyinvesting.com that's great yeah. And uh, would listeners know any of the songs that you currently own in your fund? Uh, so one of our first acquisitions was a very strategic acquisition that we got at a really good multiple, though. Um, and the reason I see it was a strategic acquisition that we got a, a good multiple is because we actually ended up buying some cover songs, too. Okay. So some of the cover songs would have you know, included some of the Avicii songs. And um, it would definitely be songs that they've heard. 100% people would have heard these songs. And I don't want to go on our uh, website right now because I don't want to be making a ton of noise here in the background while we're chatting. But um, um, we have a playlist also that investors can follow so they can see what songs we're, what songs we're acquiring. Um, and they can, you know, listen to those songs on the Spotify playlist and then also, you know, make money while, while they're listening to music. So that's kind of a neat little perk. So if you invest with us, just download the playlist, play the music, have it at home and you can tell your friends, hey, I own this song, right? Or yeah. whatever it is. And it also becomes a legacy asset on that side, right? You can tell your kids, hey, guess what, kids? We own this song. And every time you play it at home and you can tell your friends and all this other stuff. So, yeah. That's great. Well, cool. Um, anything else you think I should know or I should have asked you that we haven't covered? Uh, just I'll tell you another little neat perk that we have on our okay. website here is Please. if you want to own a song, we have this little submit a song button. So um, we'll, we'll do our, you know, on a reasonable efforts basis or, or best efforts basis to submit a song that you want to own and, and we'll go and try and track that down and we'll try and track that down from either the songwriter or the artist or the label or the producer and we'll try to at least buy a, a partial interest of the song um, if we can't buy, buy the full interest. So because um, we can look up who owns the songs and stuff like that too and, and if people really want to own one, we can, we can try and hunt that down for them. Cool. That's that's a cool feature, fun mm -hmm. little perk. 
All right. Well, Alex, it was, uh, it was great to have you on. And if people have any more questions for you, is, is your contact info on the website? Uh, I believe it is. Yeah, it should be on the website, but uh, the contact info for our team definitely okay. is on there. And um, Are you guys on like Twitter or anything like that? We're, we're pretty much on LinkedIn okay. uh, right now. And, and then we just have our, our website and our advisors that are helping us with, with marketing this and, and our team. Okay, great. Well, we will have all of that in the show notes for listeners. Yeah, no, for sure. And the only other person I want to, you know, mention also is one of our advisors, I guess, Devo Harris. Uh, and he is a three-time Grammy award-winning producer and songwriter. Uh, songwriter. And he actually um, signed and produced EGOT winner uh, for John Legend. And he, he wrote songs for Kanye West, Britney Spears, Aretha Franklin, and a bunch of other people. So, What's, uh, What Britney Spears song did he write? Oh, I gotta, I gotta ask him. Come I, on, I, <laughs> yeah, wasn't baby yeah. one more time, was it? I don't know. I gotta ask. Him. <laughs> you, this yeah. is, these are gonna be Alex. These are gonna be questions that people are gonna ask you. You know, you mentioned these artists are gonna be. Well, what what song was it? Yeah, good good call. Um, and you know what? Maybe we'll put that in the FAQ section. Yeah, yeah. Um, please, uh, please. And I, I'd like to have an answer before this is published. So then I can also put a little blurb in the show notes of what songs some of these cool songs were that, that this guy wrote. Yeah. His no, name is D sure. his name is Devo. Yeah. D- yeah. Devo, Devo Harris. Yeah. Is what he, it's a cool name. That's yeah. A cool name. That yeah. is like that. That's the name of someone who would write music too. Exactly. <laughs> well, Alex, it was really great to have you on. Um, and, uh, you know, please, uh, you know, I wish, I wish you the best of success with it, with this fun. Well, thank you so much and great being on here. For sure. For sure. All right. Take care. Thanks. Thank you for listening to the Intelligent Investing Podcast with Eric Schlein. If you'd like to connect with Eric for questions, comments, feedback, ideas, or to inquire about being on the show, please contact Eric at intelligentinvesting at gmail.com. So in the words of Charlie Munger, I have nothing to add.